When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well... Unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist-recommended. This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to Canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums, as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. Uh, it's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums, and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day oh. program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact... Mm. They have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. I don't think it's fair to have somebody here that doesn't want to be here when there's so many phenomenal women in this room. I have had such an awesome night so far and I am doing my best to get to talk to every last one of you, but I want everyone that wants to be here to, to be here. So if there's anybody that wants to step out and leave, Oh, hush, we're not going anywhere. 
Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues. Welcome back. For everybody who took Bachelorette season 18 off, we know you're back for this shit. Bachelor 26. Which is a lot of you from the ratings. That's right. We'll be covering the ratings of tonight's big game, night one of historic Bachelor season 26. We'll be covering those ratings this Friday in This Week in Bachelor Nation. So our schedule for this season is going to be Tuesday, game breakdowns of Monday night's big game. And then Friday, we are going to be doing This Week in Bachelor Nation. Those will be the two episodes per week. And then, of course, we'll have our Patreon episode every other Monday that are going to be digging deeper into our various podcasts around the nation, which are going to be real juicy. I can only imagine. I can't wait for clickbait this season. Fuck. (laughs) It's going to be crazy. Oh, my God. I can't wait. Also, we have our live Patreon pre-shows. Don't forget about those on Monday nights at 4.30 Eastern? Pacific. Wait. (laughs) (laughs) It's 4.30 Pacific. It's 7.30 Eastern. 4.30 Pacific time. 7.30 if you're on the East Coast. Join us for those. We're back, baby. I don't know about you, but I feel giddy. I've got goosebumps. I feel like I'm glowing. A show glow. I feel very similar to when we were watching night one of Bachelor season 24. When you saw a couple of players walk in named Hannah Ann Sluss and Madison Pruitt. And you thought to yourself, something's different. Because tonight, something was different. High-level play, high-level players, the likes of which we have never seen, and I believe it might be because of something you and I have done, Pace Case. I believe you might be right, Clues. What is that something that we have done? We have authored a book that comes out in two weeks, January 18th. How to Win the Bachelor will be in stores. You can pre-order it now. You can go to howtowinthebachelor.com to do that. We have a bunch of contests and stuff there for people who would like to pre-order it. Still not too late to get into those contests. But this season, season 26, marks the first season that players in our beloved game have the information that is in this book. And it marks what I believe will be a new era of our beloved game that will have at least some players in every season that are 4TWR, highly trained, and undetectable by producers because of their (laughs) level of training. That's all I'm going to say. What a clues guarantee. That's anti-sauce. That's tea talking. By the way, today, when this comes out, January 4th, is officially two weeks out from January 18th when the book comes out, the start of the gore era. And clues and I recorded the audiobook. So let's say you hate to read on paper. You can listen to the book. And that still counts as reading. So you can tell people I read a book, even if you were doing the dishes, walking around your neighborhood, catching Pokemon, whatever you do. And the information in the book, it kind of mirrors what we talk about on the show. Certainly, we talk on the show in kind of broad terms about how the game is played and what different techniques are. The book is a detailed blueprint of exactly how to do this in every situation. And that is the information now that all players will have access to for the rest of time through our beloved game. Season 26 on. I'll just say this. 
it's already affecting the game. It's already affecting the game. I will just say that. So I'm very happy about what we're seeing right now in season 26. And uh, every season after this is just going to be fucking phenomenal to watch because we're changing the game. So with that said, let's jump into this. Let's do what we came here to do and break this thing down. And now, Pace Case and Bachelor Clues proudly present analysis of play in this week of our beloved game. This is Game of Roses. Clues came on here when we started doing our podcast before the actual podcast, we pressed record. It was like, this felt bachelory. And I couldn't agree more. I feel like the return to the mansion has given us something so beautiful. I'm so excited. And I can't wait to get into this with you. Let's go. It's like in if you watch any other sports, football, baseball, basketball, whatever, there was a time during the pandemic. No. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> didn't you just literally go to an NFL game? Yeah, a one-time experience. <laughs> okay. Well, on TV, when you were watching those sports during the pandemic, there were, in the beginning, there were times when, like, there wouldn't be any audience. There wouldn't be people in the crowd. It would just be, like, basketball players playing to an empty stadium. But then as mm-hmm. the regulations started getting more and more lax and people were coming back, now it's, like, full stadiums and stuff. Cardboard cutouts. Yeah, the cardboard cutouts in Major League Baseball. That's all over now. Or who knows if they're going to have to reinstitute it, but... This very much felt to me like the first time you watched a football game on TV and it was like, shit, the crowd is full again. That's what this felt like. It was like, this is the fucking stadium. These are the fucking players. These are the limo exits. Everything is back. Here are your creatures. God, there were creatures at night one. Here is your white man hosting. Fucking white man host. It's We're going to get into white man host as well. That I mean, I thought he did a great job. I'm going to say that right now. He is polished. He is precise. He doesn't have that authority yet. Not doesn't have the smugness yet of a dark lord, but he did a great fucking job, I thought. I think it'll come. Not yet. It will come <laughs> with years. You need about four or five years under your belt until the smugness comes. He'll get it. Uh-huh. Uh, no, I also thought he did a great job. He was, you know, he said the one thing that I wanted him to say tonight, which we'll get to shortly. He said, you know, I, I don't know how to do this. Okay. He said the right things. Okay. He did some of the right things. One thing they did not allow him to have just yet. And we'll get to that. But I think he will have it. I think he will have it. The dark touch. But he got to have some other stuff. So creepy. He will have the dark touch. He will have it. <laughs> to be a full dark lord, you have to be able to wield all of the dark arts. You have to. Yeah, you have to do all of it. Ting, Tamsig, Dark Touch. But he had almost all of them. The Dark Touch was the only thing really that he was missing. Yeah. So portion number one begins. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It opens on a beautiful street in suburban America. This is not how we usually open the show in the bubble seasons. Usually they open with these cut downs of like, here's what you're going to see tonight with a narrator view. We're not doing that Mm -hmm. here. They're getting straight into the meat of the show. And we see the suburban street. And then we see a hummingbird drinking nectar from a flower. And this hummingbird, although not my creature, was almost my creature. This hummingbird represents all of us, the fourth audience, drinking deep once again from the blossoming flower of our beloved game. This hummingbird was not my creature, but I did love that, you know, 
the hummingbird is dipping in. We're dipping in for our little appetizers. And our first appetizer is direct-to-cam video of Clayto surprising his mother. Who is Clayton's mother? Mrs. Pizza. Mrs. Pizza. Her Instagram is Kelly underscore KJ Bean, B-E-A-N. She has 215 followers. Kelly Duff Eckerd. Nothing in her bio. Well, congrats to her. See, see how that changes. Mr. Pizza, Clayton, says that his mom has no idea he's there and he has some exciting news to share with her. This is, of course, a lie. Because he rings the doorbell, <laughs> she opens it in full makeup, wearing a blue starred kerchief. His dad is in the fucking background recording all of this on his own phone. They knew a camera crew was coming. They knew Clayton was coming. Maybe they didn't know exactly he was going to be The Bachelor, but I'm sure they knew it had something to do with The Bachelor. So him saying, my mom has no idea I'm coming, is a full lie. The entire basis of the show is a lie. Well, it sounds like the mom was surprised, maybe. She had full makeup, a kerchief. She was camera ready. I mean, that might that might just be Kelly. Maybe, sure. This is a lie. Kelly and her kerchief. Yeah, and then the next thing we see... She opens the door and we see Kelly in her kerchief. And then we also see a wall full of decorative crosses right there as soon as you come in. This is a Christian family. We are back to the bachelor of yore. I cannot believe you ever thought he was not Christian. Well, I had no evidence of it. I was not. I, I thought that was likely, but I never yeah. had true evidence of it. Other than the shot in the promo where he's in a fucking giant church. <laughs> I guess we still don't know. If we were to judge you by your parents' house. Oh, for real. It would be <laughs> Could <off>. you imagine <laughs> that? <laughs> oh, my well, God. It's like he's probably into horses and little dogs. Yeah. Uh, so Clayton then tells his mom that he's the next bachelor, and she screams, oh, my God, multiple times, implying basically this is a reward. This is some big prize that he has won. Then we get this promo. We see Palmer VOing it. He says, get ready for the new season of The Bachelor. It's the first time we're hearing him as the voiceover person. We see boats, football fields, bouncy houses, shirtless kisses, horses, carriages, international travel, mountains, more kisses, steamy shower scenes, claws are coming out, rivalries, tears, boats. All the women are perfect in their own ways, he says. We have some mistrust, some threats. There is a trophy that gets thrown. There's more tears sobbing on a staircase, fire pits. Clayton is falling in love, and it feels so good. And then we hear this rocking guitar score come in. And we see a drone shot of the mansion. We are back, baby. It's fucking great. Can we pause for one moment on that <laughs> shot of Clayton screaming that he's love level 3 wearing that giant blue coat? Sure. I'm... Falling in love. I am falling in love and it feels so good. All of his exaltations are very sporting. He does that in tonight's episode too, right before the woman starts yes. stepping out of the limo. We'll get to it, I'm sure. But that's his whole thing of like, let's go. I'm the ultimate Viking. I'm falling in love. My wife is here. You're going to marry me. That's just how he expresses himself. It's an athlete. That's just Clado. Yeah. Someone who is not Clado, although you might get confused because they look a little similar, comes out. And we have the introduction of Dark Lord Palmer. We were wondering, how would he be introduced? Would we see shots of his season? Would we see shots of that infamous rose ceremony where he said the wrong name? No. Well, not yet. 
No, I think probably no, we're not going to see that. But he says, I was the bachelor a long time ago. Now I'm a happily married man. And this line by Dark Lord Palmer saying the exact same words that Dark Lord Harrison said on the season one bachelor premiere in March 2002. I'm not the bachelor. I'm a happily married man was my wowie moment of the week or moment of my lifetime (laughs) because I screamed. I tweeted. I couldn't believe what we were seeing. This was my greatest hope was that he would say this line. To really examine what's going on here with this line, we can't stay where we are, Pace Case. We have to take a little trip. Right now, you're coming with me to Conspiracy Town. Population me. (laughs) Has the population ever changed? Well, I'm about to get you in it, so we'll see. We'll see if you decide to live here with me or not. (laughs) Jesus. What if, I'm just saying what if, but I think this Mm -hmm. is probably true. Uh, Dark Lord Palmer is not working alone. He is working in concert with someone no longer affiliated with the production. What if Dark Lord Palmer is being tutored remotely by Dark Lord Harrison. There were moments, and this is the first one in tonight's show, that I could feel the sinister energies of the old Dark Lord curling his fingers around our beloved game once again. And this was the first moment where I saw it, where I was like, is he still involved in this in some way? I believe he may be. I believe maybe he's even working with the producers and saying, yeah, have him say this, have him say that. Who on this fucking show would know to have him say, I'm a happily married man. This is a verbatim line that the Dark Lord said in episode one, season one. Not only am I not going to stay here in this town with you, I am creating my own town with an opposite (laughs) conspiracy theory, which is that a producer told him to say this line, maybe someone who's in the pit, because we talk about this line a lot. That's true. And that it was meant as a fuck you to Dark Lord Harrison. Ah, interesting. That's how I saw it in my town. Huh. Come on over here. A new conspiracy. No, I'm staying in conspiracy town. Okay. I think that's very interesting. I, <laughs> I'm i happy for you. Yes, I am too. You look happy. You're glowing. I could look again. I'm not saying this is true. I'm just saying it felt true. I could fucking feel Uh Dark Lord Harrison in tonight's episode. I could feel him there. And I don't know what way he's coming into the game, but he's there. He's dined on souls in that building. Maybe. Maybe (laughs) it's the building itself. His shadow is etched into the mansion. Well, whatever the case, Palmer then explains that Clayton's one of the most sincere (laughs) men who's ever been on the show, and he's going to do everything he can to find his soulmates. (laughs) He's basically saying he's so 4TRR, he out 4TRRs every other 4TRR player who's ever walked through these halls. And then Palmer intros Clayton's hometown package, again, calling him the most sincere man ever. And this is our first taste of Palmer as a host when he's out in front of the mansion, direct addressing. And again, you can tell he's got chops. He's done this before. He's hosted a bunch of other shows. He's maybe a little nervous to be doing this, but he can do it. Mm-hmm. He's rendering, I think, highly competent uh, hosting abilities here. 
Yeah, he's walking a fine line. He's joking about never having been in this mansion, but he doesn't feel like out of place. He makes these jokes about how he's practiced saying incredible and amazing. I might be able to pull this off. The most dramatic ever. Um, And he, I think most importantly, seems a little bit more confident than Clayton, which is all we really need here. And we get the intro package of Mr. America Clayton Starting with some more of that classic Clayto self-deprecation humor, saying that he got eight minutes of screen time on Michelle Young's season, but that he truthfully believes in this process maybe more than anybody else, which it's like they're trying to force him to say this line of like why he was chosen. And he's not he won't say like, I want it or I believe in it more than anyone. But yeah. we see a bunch of very American um, shots of him, him on the bleachers in front of American flags, a bunch of the residents of Eureka, Missouri. And we see them all reacting to him like there's a parade. A child says, I got a bunch of pics with him. This lady who won't take off her sunglasses says those dang dimples will blow anyone else out of the water. I'm convinced he's the only pick. And then we cut to a fire truck. Against that fire truck are leaning two of Eureka's finest firefighters. One says, good luck, Clayton. The other says, Eureka's proud of you. And these two firefighters were my. Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. Eureka is proud of you. This is symbolic. This is saying the heartland supports you, Clayton. Middle America supports you. This is not some fucking bachelor from New York City. This is not some bachelor from Los Angeles, California. This is a bachelor from a small town right in the fucking middle, right in the fucking heartland. And these two firefighters are the voice of that heartland. Beautifully done here. Fantastic Jorge Moreno's. I loved the firemen telling Clayton that they were proud of him. I love the like small town weird parade thing that's technically before they were allowed to release this information. So it's not that big, but we did get to see the sign that the mayor infamously posted blowing the bachelor announcement, which was a great callback for me and 20 other people. (laughs) And where was Mayor Sean Flower? Nowhere to be seen in this document. Why do you think that was? Fired. Are you kidding me? (laughs) He got fired? No, he did not. Suit his ass. I'm sure it was punishment at the very least, as you said earlier when we were doing the podcast before the podcast, that they cut Sean Flower out of the video because he was the one who released the image. That's my conspiracy town. Because why wouldn't you want the mayor? It seems maybe he's got more power than the firemen, but maybe I don't know how Eureka runs. Clayton says, I don't deserve any of this. And he says to a bunch of cheerleaders, any cats in the house? This was very like Ben Higgins intro package. I remember they had a lot of like, he's the small town hero type thing. Um, We -hmm. see him in his Mizzou football days. He says he played professional, but he didn't play a single game, right? Just like Felton. No, four preseason games. Well, then he ponders on a dock and he talks about his love journey with Michelle Young that he went out of his comfort zone. We see him do the Clayton rotation. We see him love level one Michelle Young. We see him 
read the letter from the child army and start crying, talking about how he wants to fall in love and start that kid's chapter of his life. And then we see him come to the big city. He drives down the PCH in a black car and pulls up to the mansion. And then we see a traditional shot at this point, him shooting his own promo videos and promo shots. And we see a familiar image. Clayton is posing with a bunch of puppies, but they're not the French bulldogs, puppies from the promo. And these puppies, they were so cute. They were strutting their stuff, doing all they could for their big moment, but they got photoshopped out of Clayton's promos and replaced with dogs that were later deemed cuter puppies, but nonetheless, they were my... (laughs) Creature of the week. (laughs) These dogs got snubbed. I don't know why they were replaced. When you sign that contract that gives up your civil fucking rights, it gives them the ability to Photoshop you out of any promotional shoots that you do with The Bachelor. Sorry, dogs. You knew what you signed up for. That's why you were not my creature of the week. Damn. Harsh. Canine Slucy and protocol applies. Then portion number two begins. Jesse Palmer is greeting us in front of the mansion at night. He explains once again that he's never been to this mansion before tonight. We get it, dude. Your season was shot before they came to this mansion. Palmer goes on to say that he can feel the soulmate energy of the spot where he's standing. But who are going to be these amazing women? Let's find out. And we get our first intro videos. Number one is Shanae Acne. She shows us the Sycamore, Ohio city sign, population 840, and tells us how the dating pool in her small city is terrible. And we see her eating a donut as she tells us she's very competitive. Next up is Gabby Windy. She rolls up on a scooter and makes a tight end joke. And then we see her dancing on a bed and she tells us she was an NFL cheerleader and is now an ICU nurse who worked front lines in the pandemic. And she's on a beach and she says she likes muscles. Intro number three is Rachel. She has been studying six years in flight school and talks about how she Clayton has really nice teeth. Um, She seems to be getting kind of a good girl vibe. We have intro number four, Daria. She is a student at Yale Law School. She says that she is ready to start a family. Intro five is Susie. Talks about how she had a job in Japan where and she started doing jujitsu. She was also Miss USA. We got a pageant queen. I think for the record, Susie's the next bachelorette. I mean, both of us were like, she's the winner when we did the Instagram breakdown. And I was impressed with her play yeah. tonight as well. Um, if she's not the ring winner. Unreal. Mm-hmm. She's so good on camera. Intro six goes to Elizabeth. Um, she (laughs) gets a professional intro where she does a fake phone call, um, showing that she's a real estate agent and she shows a house. We see her blow a kiss from behind a tree. Intro seven, we see Teddy. She's a registered nurse. We see her in her office. She talks to her mom, says she would love to go to fantasy suites where she reveals and loads her PVC. She is a virgin and wants to wait until she's in love. Intro number eight, the final intro goes to Sally. We see an ominous crow creature in this, and she watches some birds and says her last relationship, she fell in love really quickly and was excited to get married. She had planned the whole wedding, but decided to not go ahead with it because of trust issues. 
playing loading a PTC here of her broken engagement. And she says, today was the day I was supposed to get married. Produces tears in her intro package. Fucking incredible. Casting found this woman who was like, I'm supposed to be getting married on the day the show starts shooting. They were like, yes, come into the show. We all know the show is a lie. That's a, a fact that we all accept as we watch this. Pro wrestling at best. Unless we're into the sauce. <laughs> right. Unless we're eating the sauce. How much sauce was it tonight's show, by the way? But here they have cast someone who has, is going to be fucking married on the night of. If they really give a fuck about helping Clayton find love, would they ever have put this woman in the game? Of course not. She is there only for drama. She delivers tonight, but only tonight. I, I was really sad they didn't get more out of her, but we will get to that. So portion three begins. Players are getting ready. We uh, see some ITMs about how excited they all are. Susie is our first double up. They give her screen time after her video intro. Then we cut to Sally. This is, of course, Sally Carson. She's on her bed playing with her hair. She tears in an ITM telling us that this was supposed to be the wedding day. She didn't know it would be so hard to be here today, she says. <laughs> oh, you thought it was just going to be a fucking cakewalk and breeze that on your wedding day, you're now in a reality TV competition for Instagram followers and it's not going to be as easy as you thought. So she walks on some sidewalk somewhere and she's still ITMing about being an emotional wreck instead of being excited. And she makes history here. She does a knock knock on Clayton's hotel room before limo exits. We have literally never seen this in 26 seasons of the fucking show. Nothing close to this. And of course, we know all knock-knocks have to be aided by producers. So they are allowing this to happen, helping her do this. And she goes to his room. They sit down. <laughs> she tells him she came into this excited, but she's struggling because it's her wedding day. <laughs> I fucking literally can't believe what I'm watching at this point. No. And fucking Clayton doesn't even bat an eye. He's like, look, I understand. This is a crazy situation. And I was shut off for years after I thought I found my person. I can tell you're genuine. And I already like what I'm seeing here. I think there's something special about you. <laughs> this woman just said, I was going to be married today. Now I'm feeling fucking shitty about being here. And he's like, no, no, I want you to stay. And this motherfucker... She's literally crying. Literally crying and saying she doesn't want to be there. He literally fucking then walks out the room talks to a producer outside, gets a fucking rose, comes back in and gives it to her. I was losing my mind at this. This would have been the strongest play we have ever fucking seen on a night one, bar none, except it wasn't. He offers her the rose. We end portion three on this cliffhanger of if she's going to fucking accept it or not. All I can think in my head is like, of course, she's going to fucking accept it. But then we come back in portion four and the exact opposite happens she's like i really want to accept it but i'm torn she takes a moment comes back in we get to see her by the way on a phone talking to someone so producers allow her to make a call at this point <laughs> she's telling whoever this is i don't know her family her friends i have no idea she's like i decided that i was going to go home but now i'm torn in half she's tearing she really milks this for all it's worth comes back in and then says she's not her heart's not in a place where she can do this self-elimination this self-elimination on the heels of what would have been the greatest night one play in the history of the fucking game was my error, 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 error of the game. She played this so fucking well. She generated a situation out of fucking nothing, out of thin air. She could have had the first fucking pre-roast. Everybody roast out of the fucking history of the game. I couldn't. 
Oh, it kills me. She was so close to doing something that would have changed the game forever because now this pre-limo exit play can exist. Someone else could do something like this in the future. Absolutely. I wouldn't be surprised if we see it in more seasons to come now that it's been established. I do have to, you know, I see how you're taking this as an error, but is it an error or is it the easiest ticket to paradise we've ever seen? Absolutely not. Easiest ticket to paradise is top four finish. And then you already have a base of a couple hundred thousand Instagram followers. You might get a ticket to paradise with no screen time, with no limo exit. I don't know if you know about there's this book. (laughs) There's a book called How to Win the Bachelor. You read it, you'll be in the top four. Okay. I think what she did here was a a drastic mistake. Even if you want this easy ticket to paradise, Mm -hmm. don't go out. Take that rose. Don't go out there. And then maybe you go through all of night one and you're like, now, look, I gave it a shot and I don't want to be here anymore. Get some more screen time. See if you can fucking, you know, power through a little bit. This was a horrible play, in my opinion. It went from being the greatest play in the world to the worst play in fucking 0.0 seconds. Horrible error. If she goes to paradise, I'll be very interested to see what she can do. But... uh, I just think her instincts are bad. You're right. She won't have the followers of a whole season, but there are night one players who didn't have two portions dedicated to them who won't ever be on Paradise. Of course. And there were ones like GSJ who become company men and fucking prop the lies of the franchise up for the rest of their lives, selling all their sauce. Speaking of company players, before we start portion number five, we see a commercial between a member of the Two Million Club, JoJo Fletcher, and her ring winner, Jordan Rogers, joking about beer and her knowing on night one that he was the pick. They've been doing Heineken ads for a couple of years now. Good for them. We see Clayton get ready for his night. We see the women in their limos. One woman says, we are doing the damn thing. I love that. Cheers. We have a studied player. And we see Clayton get out of the limo and Dark Lord Palmer says, you are grinning ear to ear. How are your nerves? I'm nervous too. I've never been in this house. <laughs> we get it, Jesse. You shot somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't have the house yet. I get it. Why did they need to keep saying that? <laughs> it's okay. Is he going to say that to every place they go that he's never been when they're in like Croatia? Yeah. I've never been to Croatia. I don't, I'm so nervous to do this here. You know, we didn't have players of color make it to hometowns back when I was The Bachelor. Ooh, below the belts. But true. So <laughs> he and football had faced off here and they're doing fist bumps and shit. It looks like a guy is fist bumping himself in a mirror at this point. Like the Spider-Man meme. <laughs> yes, it's the Spider-Man meme <laughs> come to life in our beloved game. And then Palmer gets serious. We have to talk about Sally. <laughs> And Clayton says it got him ready to have these serious conversations that he knows he's going to have to have. So it was a net positive. And Palmer tells him, I have your back. You're not doing this alone. This is obviously a blatant lie. Palmer is going to do whatever the producers tell him to do, including throw Clayton under a bus, kick him off a cliff, force him to jump a fence, whatever, (laughs) whatever may come in the future. No one has Clayton's back here. Clayton is doing this all alone. Even worse than doing it all alone, he has an army of people who are trying to make this process as difficult as it possibly Uh can be for him for our entertainment. Praise you, Dark Lord Palmer. (laughs) And then DLP gets his first DLH line. Let the journey begin. 
And that is a line that is sacred to the game itself. We've seen every host, even the stand-ins, even Taitlin, everyone utters that line because that is the official start of the new season. And we begin with the limos pulling up. Clayton claps and violently screams, Let's go! Let's go! (laughs) That, I am now realizing, is such a huge sports term. Let's go! (laughs) He's like psyching himself up like it is a fucking football game he's about to play. Yeah, and he's about to meet some cheerleaders. That's what it is. We got the Alpha Limo Exit. It's someone from my top four, Sarah Hamrick. She says, oh, wow, you're even cuter in person. And we're both former Tigers. I went to Clemson in South Carolina. So I guess both of their schools had Tiger mascots. I brought us each a little Tiger token. Kringles him a Tiger token to remind remind him of her. We had a lot of non-Blandies this season, by the way. There were very few Blandies. And this the alpha limo exit being a Kringle kind of kicked it off. The next one is Lindsay Windham, 28 industrial sales rep from Houston, Texas. She does a standy. I'm from the South, but you're so tall. You got me looking North, not a good standy, but a standy. It qualifies. And then we see Genevieve Parisi, 26 bartender from Los Angeles, California. She delivers a blandy. NC Abedin, 28 sales manager from Burbank, California says she is half Persian, half Korean. She gives us an aloha saying in some non-English language from this moment forward, I would love to find a friendship with you that develops into a romantic love. And then Susie Evans, 28 wedding video videographer from Virginia Beach, Virginia, delivers an It Takes Two standee by shaking his hand with an electric buzzer and then saying, did you feel the electricity between us? And of those first five, I liked hers the most. She, I thought, had the, the best presence on camera. She is a TV star, in my opinion. This was such a... Hannah Brown move, Susie. Yes. The like, it's a classic like prank, but I'm going to make it seem super like charismatic and charming. I I mean, I agree with you. She's either ring winner or next crown. We have the next limos. We get Claire who does a blandy. She says she had a limo exit plan that would have been cringy, but I'll tell you what it was later. We never find out what that is because she does a whole host of other things yeah (laughs) (laughs) so i definitely believe she could have shown us the cringe (laughs) yeah maybe her her plan was to come out and just be like i fucking hate you (laughs) maybe that was it just to throw wings at him she just she held off oh you're america's sweetheart well fuck you (laughs) yeah I'm not looking for sweet or a heart, you fucking idiot. Serene, we get a blandy. Teddy says, I heard you like, you're a big teddy bear. Uh, My name's Teddy. Hopefully soon I'll be your teddy bear. Standy. Standy? Yeah, it's a standy. Tessa, she says her name is Asset Backwards. Standy. Lindsay D, a blandy. Daria, another blandy. What? That's a standy, motherfucker. Daria Rose, 24, law student, Baldwin, New York. Standy. She's uh, wearing a rose necklace. This is a prop piece of comedy. And she says because her name is Rose and she hopes she's going to be getting a rose at the end of the night. That is a uh, textbook Standy, in my humble opinion. Not textbook, but okay. <laughs> okay. To t- you want me to read you the definition? We wrote it in How to Win the Bachelor. Standy. Not a problem. <laughs> Speed of great. <laughs> then Clayton comes into the house saying that he broke code to tell them all how excited he is and how thankful he is that they're all there for him. Breaking code? 
Or is he doing a little homage to Chris Soul's season where he came in after the first 15 and then there were more limo exits? Could have been. Could have been an homage to the Souls. Probably not. <laughs> Portion 6 begins. Jesse Palmer has an intermission conversation with uh, Clayton about starting to feel like The Bachelor. And Clayton is completely blown away, but Palmer reminds him that there's a whole lot more when we get our next limo exit. It's Kate Gallivan, 32, real estate agent from Lake Hollywood, California. This is an It Takes Two standy. She says, maybe we'll both be less nervous if we each hold one of my nips. <laughs> this is a Caitlin Bristow blue comedy moment. And then she pulls two small bottles of booze out of her dress and they chug the alcohol to a Southern guitar score in the house. We see Kate come in and the other players question if they should have gone bigger. This is the intro of the, in quotes, bigger limo exits reel. <laughs> Except for the next one, Sierra, who does a blandy. That's a standy. What? She tells him that she's come from the future and knows that she's already his wife. That is, that's a pre-planned weird comedic bit. No, you're right. Do you not agree? Whatever. <laughs> Impress me. <laughs> Impress me with your standees. Uh, your future wife. Okay. Yeah, you're right. You're right. The <laughs> point of a standee is that it's a rehearsed practice line. We get number 14. This is a limo exit that I predicted based off of her Instagram in our Instagram breakdown. Yeah. Melina, personal trainer, doesn't it takes two where she jumps into Clayton's arms on these little bouncy things called kangas, which are something that I believe she sells or is she has a whole workout routine she's a personal trainer who's developed a whole workout system off those shoes it's great it's great to be able to put your product in your limo exit absolutely Haley is next she says i'm very self-sufficient but not always can you open this has clayton open a pickle jar and it takes two i'm waiting for you to argue no i agree that's what i got so it takes two jill Okay, this was one of my favorite limo exits. Jill walks up and says, these are the ashes of my ex-boyfriend. I brought them here just in case you make the same mistake. Beautiful prop comedy standy. A threat of death. They never allow us to see if that's a joke or not either. They just cut away to like people in the house going like, that's crazy. Was this real? Was that really her dead boyfriend? No. I don't know. There's no way they would bring real ashes in. It's Dark Lord Harrison. His spirit is in this box. <laughs> that would have been a fun one. <laughs> That's how he gets Jill Chin is uh, is working for yeah. Dark Lord Harrison and she's <laughs> smuggling him into the house in that urn, his dark energies. And then you open it and they just fucking filter through the house. That's when people start fighting and shit. I'm a happily married man. Yeah. <laughs> Marlena then throws a flag on the play. I believe we've seen this little exit before, but she says, this is a penalty on you. 15 yards for being so fine. She definitely pulls off the line. Jane. Oh, Jane. Jane then does a grandy standy in a, an old fashioned car and says that she's, she's a cougar. She hopes he can appreciate the classics. A line we've heard before. I'm vintage. Becca Martinez. Yes. This is a, a literal retelling of Becca Martinez's classic Grandy on season 22, The Bachelor. That's Ari Lyon Dyke Jr., where she came in in a cherry red classic car and gets out. And she says, I may be young, but I'm a classic. I hope you can appreciate classics like this car. No, she says, I can appreciate a classic, referring to Ari being old. But she says, I may be young. So here we have, it's transposed. The player, Jane Pike, says, 
I'm a cougar. I hope you can appreciate a classic. But it's literally almost verbatim the same thing Becca Martinez did. Clayton says she's a cougar and Bachelor Nation, I think, responds the same way as she is 33 years old. <laughs> yeah. Is she the oldest player this season? I think she is. I guess this is the vintage run because our next player out of the limo is Holly. She is 63. Are you a retiree? <laughs> mother of two tells Clayton she wants to have grandchildren. She, but she's here for the other bachelor, the senior bachelor. I feel like I'm in the wrong place, but want to introduce you to the wonderful Rachel, who is 25, a pilot who says, Holly was my wing woman. And Holly, it is unexplained how she is related to Rachel. We don't know. Is she her grandmother? Is she just an actress? I think she must be an actress. She's very hot. But Holly was my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. I was so happy to see a return to the sidecar limo exit. We don't see that very often where a player brings in another person or creature. So it's fantastic to see. I agree. I loved seeing it as well. The sidecar is a rarity and it was played pretty well here. We then have the 20th limo exit, Ivana Noble. She's 31. She is listed as a bar mitzvah dancer. I'm not sure what that is. From Queens, New York. She employs a standee when she struts up to him and puts her finger up and forces him into silence, blows him a kiss, and then walks away without uttering a word. We have seen mm -hmm. another player do a similar limo exit where uh, she said nothing to him and just walked yeah. past him. I forget what season that was on. Maybe Womack? I want to say it was Womack. That feels right. I think it might have been Womack's second season. Almost an error. It's not a good, not a good limo exit. <laughs> I totally agree. Our 21st limo exit is Kira Mengitsu, 32, physician from Philadelphia, PA. This is our first tot of the night. She comes out in a doctor outfit with a stethoscope wearing lingerie underneath. We see the other players react negatively to her. And they are, of course, made to watch this. All the players at this point are shoved outside and their faces are forced into the fucking area where they can all see every one of these things that are happening. Limo exit number 22, Mara, a great 32 entrepreneur, Collinwood, New Jersey. She issues a standee. She says, my name is Mara, like Mara Nara, a little spicy and a little saucy. This is the first mention of sauce. She will, of course, mention the word sauce multiple times. She will eventually be feeding sauce straight into Clayton's mouth. Sauce player. New. Yeah. <laughs> sauce player. She watched Bachelor in Paradise and she was like, grocery store Joe's got it right. I'm going to be the, yeah. the female sauce player. Her next limo exit is Rihanna Hockaday. She's 26, a registered nurse from Dallas, Texas, the source. She delivers a taut standee coming out in a cowboy hat and says, save a horse, ride a cowgirl. Eliza Isachi, 25, marketing manager from Berlin, Germany, issues an It Takes Two by forcing Clayton to eat some form of a corpse with her. I'm guessing that's a sausage that they're eating, Lady in the Tramp style. Wiener. Gabby Windy, 30, an ICU nurse from Denver, Colorado, is next. She issues a standee. She has a pillow that says she will use this pillow to take a break, but really, and then she flips it over and there's a picture of Clayton's face on it. She says, I just want to sit on your face. This is Bristow-level blue humor, prop comedy, brilliantly played, I thought. This maybe was my favorite limo exit. I laughed. It was great. I agree. <laughs> I did as well. It was shocking. Even Clayton was shocked. I thought it was great. Then 
26 was Elizabeth Corrigan. She's 32, real estate advisor from Highlands Ranch, Colorado. She issues an It Takes Two. When she spanks him with a riding crop, she's initiating a little S&M play here into our beloved game. I liked that. And a callback to Clayton's limo exit, his teacher stick. Oh, right. Then we have Hunter Hag. She's 28 from Charlotte, North Carolina. She does a taut standy slash sidecar, I guess. She brings a fucking snake. I called it sidecar standy. Oh, it's a tot. The snake. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't know if the snake counted as a costume or is it? I don't know. No. Okay, so a sidecar standy then. She has a snake around her neck, a big, I believe it's an albino python or something like this. And she says she believes in love at first hiss. So she gets in a little pun work. Brilliantly done. Samantha Jeffries, 26, occupational therapist from San Diego, California, issues a grandy standy taut Kringle. This is a combo. She rides it in a hot tub, pushed by some PAs. She's carrying a glass of champagne, wearing a bikini. They black box her ass. And then when she gets out, she says, do you want some of this bubbly personality? And gives him the champagne, which he drinks. This this mm-hmm. had it all, or at least four of the eight limo exits <laughs> were, were here applied. So fantastic work. To Samantha Jeffries. She had a premonition. She wasn't going to be shown anymore in the document and had to get it all in. in the limo <laughs> <laughs> And then we have our final two limo exits. Cassidy Timbrooks, 26, executive recruiter from Los Angeles, California. She issues a grandy by driving up in a little mini car. Have to assume this wasn't her idea. Have to assume this is something the producers forced on her to be the setup to the payoff. To humiliate her, yeah. I, but I think it was like, I don't think it was personal. I think they were just trying to get any player they could to ride in the mini car so that they could pay it off with the joke that uh-huh. comes in our final Omega limo exit, which is Shanae Ankney. She's 29, recruiter from Sycamore, Ohio. She comes in in a grandy, driving a giant monster truck that smashes Cassidy Timbrook's tiny car and... We all get the, oh, I can't believe they did that. We even see some of the other players saying like, uh, someone, Teddy, I believe, ITMs that this girl ruined another girl's entrance. She's bold and one that we might need to watch out for, she says. So everybody's already sizing up the competition. We end on a shot of the snake and somebody saying, hopefully, that's the only snake in the house. And that was it. Those were our limo exits. So your favorite was sit on my face? Yeah. I think it was mine too. It, it for me, was the most entertaining. Yeah, I also liked um, Rachel's sidecar mm-hmm. and uh, Jill's ashes of her ex-boyfriend. <laughs> I wanted more of the ashes of the ex-boyfriend. I need to know what the fuck happened there. At any rate. Game of Roses is sponsored by BetterHelp. Clues. Uh, we all carry around different stressors, big and small. And if you keep them all bottled up, it can affect you negatively. Therapy is a great place to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. You might be taking care of your physical body, but are you taking care of that beautiful mind, Clues? Yes. I have benefited from therapy greatly in the past. Uh, It has helped me get through stressful experiences, manage boundaries, learn coping skills. You know, the the whole premise of life is is kind of a, a, it's a lot to undertake. And therapy can help with that. Well, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do to get started is fill out a brief questionnaire. Then you get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists literally at any time for no additional charge. 
Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Game of Roses today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Game of Roses. Clues, it is springtime. It is the off season. It mm. is gore girl summer. The weather's getting warmer. Thank true. Dark Lord Palmer. And it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and cowls and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul, get those staple pieces, and I found quince. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces keeping me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I got the cotton modal scoop neck tee. It is so cute. It is literally the first thing I reach for in my dresser when all my clothes are washed. You know those special items. If you are not like Clues, who only wears one outfit. I'm Quince head to toe at this point. I'm a Quince boy. <gasps> I'm a source boy, Quince boy. Let's you got no go. idea. I'm wearing Quince t-shirts, Quince pants, Quince long sleeve t-shirts, Quince pants, Quince sweaters, Quince pants. I'm Quinced. <laughs> Just call me Quinced. King Quinces, Okay, they call me. I love Quince. Okay, Quince. Uh, get warm weather ready with Quince. Be a Quince King yourself or Quince Queen. Go to Quince.com slash roses for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash roses to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash roses. Clues. Mm-hmm. I've been on a mission. I'm trying to find Ooh. the perfect t-shirt. Yeah. Um, because it's spring, I'm ready to get out there, I'm ready to peacock. Luckily, the perfect t-shirt does exist, and you can find it at Skims. From cropped silhouettes to long-sleeve layering tees, there's a style for everyone. You guys know how excited I was that Skims became one of our sponsors for this podcast. They have great basics and foundations. I got the boyfriend t-shirt in Onyx, that's kind of a dark black color and the cotton jersey long sleeve t-shirt in kyanite which is kind of like a blue green and they're both so comfortable it's basically like you are wearing nothing great for free spirit types well for all the free spirits out there right now you can shop the skims t-shirt shop at skims.com now available in sizes xxs through 4x if you haven't yet be sure to let them know We sent you. After you place your order, select podcasts in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Again, that's Skims. We begin portion seven. The players are all erupting in joy and excitement and nervousness as they wait for Clayton to come in. Palmer meets him outside. He says, you've met 30 women. How does it feel? He's so excited. He has his work cut out for him. And Palmer says, do you think you've met your wife tonight? Clayton says, she's in there. So this implies he already knows who's won the show. And we know that from this moment forward, everything we're watching is a lie. Or he feels like probably she's there. Okay. Let's even say that he is, he's sure that she's within Mm -hmm. 50% of them. He has to, if he's saying, yes, I think she's in there. He has a pretty good idea of who that might be. 
down to at least four or five players, I would say. Yeah. So the rest of it is just the producers putting together a show for us to watch how these players will fight and be kicked off. The entire show is a lie. And they reveal that every time they make them say my wife is in that room when there's still 30 fucking players there, in my humble opinion. Dark Lord Palmer then introduces the idea of the FIMP and says it sets the tone. He does not note that he was the first person to ever give out a FIMP rose, which I feel like would have been a cool historical fact as opposed to, I've never been in this house before. I agree. We start the cocktail party. Clayton starts his inauguration speech. I'm nervous. I'm like, is there some other guy in this room? I'm just a guy from small town in Eureka. We see Hunter is stroking the snake. <laughs> he says he is so humbled. We're going to have a hell of a time here. Not much here. Clayton is just raw enthusiasm and America and football. And we see Cassidy Timbrooks gets the first responder here. She hands him his drink mid-speech. And we know the first responder is a very important role. Producers give that to players that they are angling to go far in the game, or at least players that they have some plans for to use as a colorful narrator like Demi Burnett or something along those lines. So this is a little telling here. It's a very good reward to have bestowed upon you by the third audience. Clayton says to new beginnings and never losing sight of, he spills his drink on himself, never losing sight of why we're all here. And this woman, Haley, says, I loved how he spilled his drink. (laughs) That's part of his personality. Uh, Susie gets the first one-on-one though. And she says she was very nervous, but he has very kind eyes and she issues a, how you doing? How you doing? This has got to be life changing. He says, I was in your shoes. I'm just this guy from Missouri way out of my comfort zone. And Susie says with me around, you don't know where you're at. She's going to keep him on his toes. I live my life there out of her comfort zone. I need to be reeled in. He says, you may need to pull me in. So maybe they're a yin and yang already. Elizabeth has the next one-on-one time and gives Clayton a picture from 1930 of her great-grandfather Gustav Moosen from Sweden. And so many things had to happen in for her, I guess, her relatives to meet. Hold on to it. Everything happens for a reason. Clayton really doesn't want this picture, but he takes it. <laughs> of course not. But also just the reasoning of that was like, it was so many things had to happen for them to meet. It's like, yes, that's correct. The formation of the universe, eventually the cooling of all materials in the universe to form planets, one of which was Earth. Life had to evolve on Earth. Thousands of generations had to survive brutal experiences, brutal conditions to have all of your ancestors Mm -hmm. survive and procreate, survive and procreate again and again and again and again. That can be said of literally any human being that so many things had to happen for this moment to occur. Of course. Jill's ex-boyfriend had to cheat on her, etc. <laughs> That's right. But she gives we him this know. fucking rare hundred-year-old photo. Is like, hang on to this for me, and he's like, oh fuck, okay. Then we see Teddy gets her one on one time, and she tells him that she was happy it was him. She says she was going through Michelle's guys with her sister, and she picked him, thinking there's no way it's going to be him. Then she found out it was him, and. He was her favorite. And Clayton keeps saying, oh, it's wild that they're both here. And he says he has a connection with her, a love level one. We instantly had a good connection. The spark was there, love level one. And uh, she returns that sentiment. This is very much a kiss moment. And he leans in and Teddy gets the first kiss of the document. We have no idea who actually got the first kiss. There are many players tonight who did get kisses. We don't know chronologically who that Mm -hmm. first player was. But here, as it's presented to us, 
Teddy did get the first kiss in the document, which means they're building her narrative. They're making her kiss more significant. And of course, it turns out to be the case when we see something a little bit later. But Clayton ITMs a precog about proposing to someone at the end of this. And the other women see the kissing of Teddy. They do not like it. And Shanae says, game on, bitches. Open gameplay speech. Open. Love it. Portion eight begins with Dr. Kira's one-on-one time. She checks his heart and says, you do have a heart. Let's see if we can make it beat faster. I thought this was an amazing kiss lead in line. We saw some very well thought out kiss lead ins. Eliza's worried about turtling, but she gets the next one-on-one time and plays a German game with Clayton where he has to pronounce German words wrong and then she corrects him. And one of them, one of the phrases is, can we kiss? And Clayton says, how do I say yes? And she goes, ja, and then they kiss, or ja. And she tells him he's a good kisser in German. I thought this was a cute little aloha mini date. Dark Lord Palmer then brings in the fimp. We see brief shots of a few one-on-ones. Melina makes Clayton do a workout on her kangas, the little shoe jumper things. We see Hunter's one-on-one with the snake. And she says, we might need two roses. And then we get Cassidy's one-on-one time where they crash in little mini cars and into prone play where there's a kiss a la Bree Springs, Matt James. This shit was perfectly done, by the way, as far as a mini date goes. Mm-hmm. This is just my perception of this. That car crash was purposeful. She didn't <sighs> lose control of that mini car. She flipped it on purpose. This is a fucking IFI so that she could play it into a kiss brilliantly done kelly flanagan style no rules yes exactly uh she loads love level one for clayton i really like him and then we get to the claire zone claire's one-on-one she starts with a little shared interest asper's favorite football team they play cornhole this is a game he played in his intro video how can this go wrong she has set up a whole tailgate mini date with signs that say game time and party zone. She destroys him in cornhole. He wants to keep playing. He's like, how many were we playing to? She's like, no, I won. And then they eat chicken wings and ranch. And she tells him that he eats the wrong. He doesn't like the right chicken wing. Then a woman named Mara attempts a steal from Claire. Claire blocks it successfully, we think. But then Mara hovers. And Clayton is not good at handling this steel block steel interaction. And Claire gives up Clayton to Mara. That hover was fucking beautiful. Usually a hover can come off creepy and the lead will even be like, what the fuck? Like, give us five minutes or something. This one works because I think the way that date is set up, the the physical, Mm -hmm. the geography of it. They're out in the parking lot. It's kind of a big, expansive thing anyway. They've got a tent set up and the cornhole gang game and the the table with the fucking wings on it and shit. So she can kind of stand off to the side and be an eye line, but they still have enough space. But she's there. You can see her. So it feels weird and Clayton feels obligated to go. So she's able to pull the steel out of this using that hover technique. Fucking expertly done. And as they're walking off, She's talking more about like, oh, looks like you had some sauce, but you haven't had the real sauce. She says sauce a hundred fucking times. We then see her one-on-one time with him. She has brought a jar of homemade sauce. I'm wondering if this is grocery store Joe's sauce. 
And she goes, do you know what the secret ingredient is? It's love. And she feeds him the sauce. The ritual is complete. Have we ever seen sauce play like this? <laughs> I'm sure we have. We've seen every type of food play that's ever existed. <laughs> but you think it was made in grocery? She said it was homemade. You think she lives in GSJ's home? Homemade just means homemade. Doesn't mean she made it. <laughs> we then see Claire of the Game Time Party Zone, Claire, tell the women it's not the vibe. Clayton is 100% too nice for me. It was a catastrophe. We get an ITM from Cassidy. She keeps saying how forced it felt. This is so uncomfortable. All of us are stoked on Clayton. Girl, that's my dream guy. Shut up. And Claire says, I can't be with America's fucking sweetheart. (laughs) 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 I enjoyed Claire's meltdown so much. It was pure. It was hilarious. She fucking literally says that she hates him. And then somebody's like, well, are you going to tell him that? And she's like, no. (laughs) I had such high hopes that she was just going to ride out this season secretly hating him. Yeah. (laughs) Unfortunately, that does not happen, of course. Claire telling the second audience that she hated The Bachelor Clayton was my... Error, 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 error of the game. In real life, yes, you can choose to not be attracted to someone when you meet them, but not on The Bachelor. You suck it up. You see he's eating the worst type of way. You say, actually, I love that. We're yin and yang. We can split wings. You're America's sweetheart. You're wholesome. Whatever. You eat a wing with him. Why are you there? You put one end of the wing in his mouth and one end in your mouth, and then you pull away and let the bone hit the fucking ground. It doesn't matter if you like this fucking guy. Do you like a million Instagram followers? It's almost like Claire was too for TRR. She's like, this isn't a love connection. So, and this is a show about love, right? So I got to go. I think there's some players who come in. Chad Johnson was this way too, who come in and they have an almost like aggressively violent reaction to the the circumstance Mm -hmm. of it, to the fakeness of it all, you know? And it's like, I don't like this guy. He's not my fucking type. Fuck your cameras. Fuck this show. And you start kind of behaving in a way that is commensurate with that attitude. And that's never going to work for you. And we see here, it obviously fucking didn't. Serene tattles on Claire. Says, I think you should talk to her. She was saying some things. She was like, I hate him. And Clayton's like, that's a strong word. (laughs) (laughs) She says, also Claire says, I hated him. I'm too fiery. I'm not. I love America and I'm a sweetheart. It was just, it was very funny because it also kind of just reminded me of like Twitter's reaction to Clayton. They're like, oh, he's Mr. Salt of the Earth. I'm America's sweetheart, man. Fuck you. And then Clayton comes in and pulls Claire for a conversation. And the final shot of portion number eight is a single rose lying on the table. In the background, the serpent stirs. And the serpent was my... (laughs) Creature of the week. The serpent was all over the fucking show, Mm -hmm. obviously. This single shot, though, it was like a meme I would fucking make. This giant snake 
undulating in the background as there's a rose and it's just this it's a satanic mm-hmm. image it's the fucking rose it's it's everything about the bachelor it's the evil with the surface sheen of something beautiful and romantic oh god it was fucking great thank you serpent for all you do you were strutting your stuff in like 13 different scenes tonight loved them all but this one was my favorite you are my creature of the week i hope the serpent sticks around portion number nine begins Clayton has pulled Claire. He says, I'm hearing things like, for instance, you saying that you hate me. (laughs) Claire says, I feel like we haven't clicked. I think you're a great guy. I didn't say I hate you. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? Just imagine that like this is happening on an actual date, that it's like out of the bachelor context. You're in a restaurant with somebody. Things are going like, okay, whatever. You've eaten your chicken wings. They get up to go to the fucking bathroom and somebody comes and sits at your table and is like, dude, she just told me she fucking hates you. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's fucking, it's insane. The circumstance of this is so fucking crazy. God, I love it. We don't actually see the dismissal here, which I thought was weird. I guess they wanted to play it off the women's reactions, but Clayton pulls everybody into the main space. Says, I was made aware someone in the house is tearing the mood down. So I sent her home. It's been an awesome night so far. I'm doing my best to talk to every single one of you. But if anybody wants to step out and leave, please do so. We usually see that week three or four. We're seeing night one that Clayton's like, yep, this yeah. is a two-way street. You guys can decide also. And there's kind of a... Uh, you know, he's he's getting dumped by two women before he's given out the fimp. And then there's a, a silent tension in the air. Everybody is sitting there like, shit. What do we say? What do we do? And it's Cassidy Timbrooks who gets everything back on track by saying, oh, hush, we're not going anywhere. It's charming. It's kind of cute. That was the clip we opened with. Perfectly played here to get the engines running again. She's doing a lot of really subtle good play here. You got the kiss. You got She does the toast later. We'll get to it. Clayton pulls Genevieve for a one-on-one after this. And she says, I hope that doesn't make you lose faith in this process. And he says, I don't want to take away from someone like you. She says, I'm from Massachusetts. My parents were married for 32 years. They bond over their parental longevity of their marriage and that they want that too. Clayton, we're going to have a lot of fun. He has one-on-one time with Rachel, who brought Holly as her sidecar. They don't address the relationship with Holly. They talk about how she teaches people how to fly And he says he would jump out of a plane with her. Um, You seem trustworthy. They kiss. And then we see Clayton pull the Fimbros. And he says, in his ITM, one particular person stopped me in my tracks. And he walks through the house. And who gets it? Teddy. Clayton says, I couldn't get you off my mind the entire night. When we talk, there's a clear connection. They kiss more. Oh, I forgot to give out my play uh-huh. the game, by the way, which was Teddy's first kiss back in whatever portion that was. I think her first kiss and that one-on-one time she had with him set up this pimp rose. And for that reason, Teddy gets my play, 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 play of the game. I think her chemistry game is one of the strongest in the fucking house. I think it's going to carry her through a very long way in this game. I also just want to issue this bit of advice for anyone listening. Don't sit in the fucking fimp 
room. When that first impression rose comes in and is laid on the fucking tray, get the fuck out of that room. Get the fuck out of that room. When we cut to the FIMP, when Clayton comes in to pick it up, or any lead for that matter, there should be no one in that room. It should be an empty fucking room around the FIMP because whoever's in that room ain't getting the fucking FIMP. And instead, what you have to then do is sit there, watch the lead come in and pick it up and walk away to give it to somebody else. And they're going to have B-roll of you looking some type of way about it. Jealous, pissed, sad, whatever. Don't give them that fucking footage. Don't sit in the FIMP room. It's a very simple rule. Something else happens right after this, which I want you to be able to take the reins on. I'm sure you were very happy. Once the FIMP is given, we all know that that's the end of standard play of night one. But to make it official, we have to hear the bell, the buzzer, the final indicator that this round of play is over. And in our beloved game, that comes in the form of Tings. This is something that the Dark Lord Harrison traditionally did. He would bring knife to glass one, two, three times, sometimes four, sometimes five, never less than three. That's important. Here, the Dark Lord Palmer enters the room and he is given this high, high level of status. He is allowed here to perform this literal function of Dark Lord Harrison. He has the champagne flute. He has the knife. He brings knife to glass once, twice. Ting, ting. That is it. This is a new era. This is a ting, and it's a fucking double ting. I have never seen one before, ever. I'm happy for you. We were tingless for so long, like an unmoored boat. I think Palmer's back with the tings. And that's what I'm saying. This this goes back to my conspiracy mm-hmm. town. You think Dark Lord Harrison is just letting anyone ting? Why did they take away the tings? I don't know. Why are they back? I'm telling you, the Dark Lord Harrison is weaving his dark powers through that knife into the champagne glass. He's he's basically forcing Palmer's hands to come together. He's controlling him like a puppet from the shadows. I know it. See, in my conspiracy town, it, again, it's the opposite. It's a fuck you to Dark Lord Harrison. Fuck you. There's a new Dark Lord and he's doing your signature gesture. Tinging. I just, I think Jesse Palmer's friends with the Dark Lord Harrison, though. I don't know if he would do a fuck you, but he is a company man. So if the producers tell him to fuck you, Dark Lord Harrison, he has to do it. I don't think he knows it's a fuck you. You think he's studying the ting tapes? You don't think he's watched every fucking season of the show like we have? No. You don't think he's written a book about all this? Come on. I don't think he's seen his season. You may be right. Yeah, you're probably right. (laughs) Anyway, we get a double ting here. And I feel like we're back on track. The evil energy is flowing back through our beloved game. And so the cocktail party's over, and it's now time for a first row ceremony. And uh, I thought Palmer delivered this sincerely and seriously. And we get the final shot of this portion is all the women kind of bottlenecking into the rose ceremony room from behind. We see them being packed in like cattle. And then portion 10 begins. We see a fucking literal sunrise (laughs) shot. They are showing us that it is the morning, which is rare. They don't usually do that. Women are waiting on the risers. Jill is ITMing anxiety at turtling. Clayton enters the room. The windows here are wide open. They are allowing sunlight to come into the rose ceremony room. For This is the first time I've ever seen that. I did think that was interesting. They were embracing the fact that it took all night. Usually they, mm-hmm. they don't mention it. 
I think it was symbolic. Mm. It's a new dawn. Ah, this is a new yes. game with a new Palmer that's a little more transparent. Still, we're going to base the entire show on a huge lie, and we're going to lie to you almost constantly, but not here, not in the rose ceremony. That is sacred. That is real, even though it's a lie. We get the rose ceremony. Clayton apologizes to the turtles and begins. First flower goes to Serene. She's in my top four, by the way. First flower, as we know, carries with it heavy statistical advantage. It's even more beneficial than getting the FIMP in terms of how far you make it in the game, how many Instagram followers you get, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If you win the ring, the crown, you always want first flower. It's a much better flower to get than FIMP. FIMP is still good. Don't get me wrong, but it's better. Fascinating first flower, I thought, since all we saw was her tattle on Claire pretty much from her. We then get Susie, Eliza, Rachel, NC, Sarah, Kate, Cassidy, Elizabeth, Kira, Shanae, Sierra, Mara, Marlena, Genevieve, Melina, Gabby, Jill, Lindsay, W, Hunter, and Tessa. And Palmer comes out right before Tessa to say that there is only one rose left. Usually this is where the Dark Lord Harrison would issue what we called the dark touch, a small pat in the small of the back of the lead and says, please, when you're ready. Palmer did not issue the dark touch. Mm -hmm. This was the one tool in a Dark Lord's toolkit that he did not apply. And he was standing so far away from Clayton that he couldn't even issue a dark touch if he wanted to. His hands were clasped mm. by his chest. And he was like maybe 10 feet away. So we'll see if he Nerves. comes around. Yeah, maybe he fucked that up. We'll see if he comes around and does a uh, dark touch later this season. But he does reemerge after Tessa gets the final rose to give a proper Tam Sig word for word here. Take a moment, say your goodbyes. Perfectly done. We see the hugs. We see the goodbyes. Those that remain, cheers at the potential. He sees in the room. He cheers us to love. And then we see some other players are given a little screen time here to say some things. Cassidy Timbrook says, gets this little unifying moment at the end. She thanks the other players for their support. She's looking forward to being their friends. Tessa seconds mm -hmm. this. They all cheers to what seems like this, this unifying moment of like, oh my God, they're going to yeah. be nice to each other. Then we cut directly to two players in the promo fighting and calling each other two-faced. <laughs> I loved that <laughs> one-two shot. So good. And everybody's crying. Cassidy's crying. God, a million other players are crying. So many players are breaking down. Palmer is VOing that this season's like nothing you've ever seen before. Serene's getting called out. Clayton is pondering. Sierra's accusing someone of having friends with benefits. Someone is lying. Sincerity is questioned. It looks like some player had a relationship before the show. Everyone is crying. There's going to be good rivalries, it seems like. We get the international travel shots again. Susie's level of a flooring. They're swinging over the ocean. Boxes are being checked. They're jumping in the ocean. Somebody else's L4. There's everybody's L4. <laughs> Somebody's laying on a bed. He's in love with three women. There's a Viking style outfit. He's level four. Three other people. He tells two players he's intimate. Everybody's breaking down. He is broken. A woman sobs on the stairs in a heap. He's in a Christian church. He holds a ring. And it looks like this season is going to be fucking crazy. Amazing. I cannot wait. But the episode is not done. There is one little moment left to go, and that is the tag. And we see Sarah Hamrick, who notably is in my top four. And she asked Clayton, have you seen Office Space, the movie? I left a job that I hated, and I wanted to symbolically destroy this copier, which is something that they do in that movie. And this mini date by Sarah Hamrick, very creative, was my... <laughs> Play, 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 play of the game. 
Office Space is one of my favorite movies. I've never seen this type of mini date, especially not on night one, like a violent one. And I just feel like it was like a great, a great play. It's kind of like a sabbatical encapsulated. She's basically like, I left this shitty job to go on the show. Let's destroy our Mm. jobs before the show. I'm sure he's not going to do whatever his job was either. Let's be influencers together. Medical sales representative. Yeah. Sales representative, whatever. And let's be influencers. And that's what I saw in this moment. And I thought it was a beautiful play. Yeah, it was pretty good. For a a night one tag, I I agree. I liked it very much. But that is it. That concludes historic night one of season 26. The game has forever changed. We have players in this season who are highly trained 4TWR players, (laughs) undetectable by producers. And that will be the case now in perpetuity for the rest of the days of our beloved game. And uh, I can't wait to see what all these players are going to do this season. And so... At the end of tonight, who do you think was your MVP? For her chemistry-laden mini-date, for her 4TRR name recognition limo exit, Teddy Wright was my MMMMVP. Teddy Wright was also my MMMMMVP. There wasn't a lot of bombastic play tonight. There wasn't anything that really stuck out. The most bombastic play mm-hmm. were errors. They were self-eliminations. They were set to saying that you hated the fucking Bachelor <laughs> on night one. God. But Teddy, I thought, had the most consistent play. She had the strongest chemistry game. She obviously was rewarded with the FIMP. And she's kind of one to watch. First kiss. First kiss, or at least first kiss in document. Again, we never know the order Mm -hmm. of things like kisses or even the one-on-ones and steals and stuff. Who knows who's doing what first? But the way it's presented to us is important. It means the producers are trying to angle for something here. They're trying to build Teddy up to be Mm -hmm. an important player. Obviously, she gets the FIMP. And we know that the FIMP isn't uh, always 100% the lead's decision. A lot of times, the producers say, this is who's getting the FIMP. So even in that case, she's playing a strong third audience game at the very least, but it looks like she's playing a strong first audience game with chemistry as well. So congratulations, Teddy Wright, double MVP, got my play of the game. You should maybe if you uh, would have smashed a fax machine or something, you could have gotten pace cases. Don't trivialize it like that. Trivialize it. It was the entire tag. How could I ever trivialize anything? But that is it. That's night one. We are looking very forward to this entire season. This is going to be a real crazy one. Our book comes out in two Mm -hmm. weeks. We hope you can pick up a copy of that and, uh, you know, enjoy it. It will definitely elevate your understanding of the game and how you watch the show. I think it, for most people who read it, I think it will make watching the show more fun. Yeah. Definitely. By the way, we did a Patreon episode that was our breakdown of all the Instagrams of the players. So just to refresh for our free members of the pit, who were your final four based on Instagram? I had Susie Evans taking it all, Mm -hmm. whatever she wants, ring or crown. Rachel Reckia, Serene Russell, and Kate Gallivan. I had also Susie Evans, Sarah Hamrick, 
copier destroyer. Eliza Izichi. Is it Chi? And I had a fourth player who apparently did not make it into the main game, who was Brianna. So <laughs> I'm going to choose to replace her now with Genevieve Parisi. But the other notable player was Gabriella Gabby Windy. I really like the way she talks. It's very interesting. Me too. She sounds kind of like Jennifer Coolidge. Yeah, it's very like raspy vocal fry. I think she's going to be a colorful narrator for the rest of the season, or as long as the producers want to keep her around. Maybe she could be final four. I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, Genevieve Parisi is who I'm going to add to that list. All right, fantastic. Well, there you have it. That's our night one coverage of the big game. We're looking very forward to the rest of the season, see how it all breaks down and who's going to walk away with the ring, the crown, the top four. And then after this season, of course, we're going to have a season of Bachelorette and then Paradise and then... Nothing. A break? Hopefully nothing after that for the rest of the season. We'll have some months where we don't have to do a a breakdown. Of course, we'll still be covering whatever the fuck we're going to be covering in that time as we did during the hiatus between the casting of Bachelorette season 16 and the shooting (laughs) of Bachelorette season 16, whatever that was, a year and a half ago. But thanks everybody for joining us. And we are going to be back on Friday with This Week in Bachelor Nation, where we're going to cover the ratings of tonight's episode. We're going to cover all the Instagram gains of players from last week to now that have taken place as a result of their appearance in tonight's big game. And we're going to be covering everything else, all the news in Bachelor Nation. We're going to give you those screams from the pit, talk about the state of the world, maybe the state of the game, depending. And we hope you'll join us for that. So until then, as always, before we go, what is that dwab at? It has been 7,225 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be our beloved game. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums, as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. It's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums, and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day program, 
It has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact, Mm. they have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back, no questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's fiber skincare. Sweaters, candles, the dreaded bathrobe. Unfortunately, Mother's Day gifts can be a little predictable and boring. That's why an Aura Frame is the perfect gift to mix things up this year. It was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. My mom loves hers. I'm throwing pictures of Skabuli and our cat up there. She's laughing. She's texting me. He's so cute. I wish I could meet him. It's the next best thing to to meeting my cat, really. You know, I love that it was so easy to set it up. I've recently learned I'm not good at uh, building things, and I need an easy install. And this only takes about two minutes to set up the frame using the Aura app. Aura frames are Wi-Fi connected, come with unlimited storage, so you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. She'll be grateful it's not another sweater, and she'll love the frame to see more of you. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A, Frames.com. Use code ROSES at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant Glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies.